Cold Stove Podcast NRD. Myself, Brett Merriman, here from lovely and hot as fuck Austin, Texas, where it's only going to get hotter over the next week. We are hitting triple digits, and it's not even just touching that. We are we're going like 107 next week. NRD. I'm not very excited about it. What's the temp at the uh, at the rumor cave? It is a nice, balmy, climate-controlled 64 degrees right now because your boy is still getting over the COVID. So we're keeping wow. it comfortable in the rumor cave. How's it going over there in the uh, in the infirmary ward section of the of the rumor cave? We're on IR. We got to use LTIR for the uh, for the people's insider. No, it's it's going right. I, I know we uh, you had it earlier on in the year, and now I have it. I mean, yep. COVID has gotten to the cold stove pot. It's not fun. I don't wish anybody out there, but uh, we're doing all right. That's why we're ripping this episode today. We're we're having a good day today, so let's keep it forward. Yeah, we had a couple days there. We got a little not not hairy by any chance, but. Uh, we had to bump the podcast back for a couple of days. A couple IR situations. I I was at the doctor's office this week. NRD's had COVID. Yeah, we're just we're trying to make it. It's like you know what? At the end of the year playoffs. Everybody's banged up. Yeah. So now we're getting over it. NRD, big night of hockey last night. Big night of hockey tonight. But but more so a big night of hockey on Saturday. Three game sevens. Uh, the Bruins and the Hurricanes at Carolina. The Toronto Maple Leafs against the Tampa Bay Lightning in Toronto. At Edmonton, L.A., in L.A., which one would you like to talk about first? Which one is the most intriguing to you? I know which one is the most intriguing. I know the one that everybody wants the airs to talk about. So let's save that for last. Okay. Let's talk about the mo- the least intriguing Game 7 right now, in my opinion. That's Boston, Carolina. Yes. I don't know why. I, I guess it just doesn't because, have juice that. And I think that, you know, shouts to our good friend of the podcast, and I can say that, Liam McHugh and the TNT boys last night discussed it on the air, that... Every game has been like 5-1 Carolina at home and then 4-2 or 4-1 Boston at home. And then Carolina, they go back to Carolina for five and for game five and Carolina wins 5-2. And then Boston wins, you know, 5-2 last night. So, like, it's just been kind of the games have sucked, but the series as a whole has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Home teams are 6-0 and so far in this series. Does that continue in game seven? I don't want to throw in NRD bets on this, but I don't think so. I think maybe Boston's experience kicks in at the end. I don't hate that. I don't hate that idea. I think, you know, it's just it's just a weird series with it's it's Swayman and Allmark versus Anti Ranta. Like the goaltending is you you we thought six months ago we thought it was gonna be Tuka Rask versus Freddie Anderson. Right? So there's the perfection lines together, then they're not together. Curtis Lazar, my uh, my favorite fourth line player in the league. It, there's just nothing gives me juice with Carolina Boston like the other two series do. And I think that's sort of how they're constructed, period, right? Like Boston is an unbelievable, responsible team. Carolina with the Ajos of the world and domestic, like they are, they're built on analytics, they're built on money ball. And so none of the teams are the most exciting teams to play on, on TV. And I think that's kind of, sentiment shared around the league now if we get a boston toronto or we get a boston colorado in the end like that's a different story but first round matchup here does doesn't really do it for me nrd even though i do think it's fun to see raleigh heating up as a hockey market you know the, the fans there are are dedicated there's always like oh this carolina gonna survive sunbelt hockey and sunbelt markets but the, the way they've played the last couple of years i think absolutely it's also fun to see Jeremy Swayman play extremely well. I mean, he didn't start game one or game two. The you know, I was going to say Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid. Bruce Cassidy uh, went with um, went with Lena Solmark in games one and two. Obviously, that went that way. They turned to Swayman. Swayman's two and one now, or two and three and one now, right in the series since. Yeah, yeah, three and one in the series since. So he's playing well. Good for him. And that's to your point. I mean, we don't have to spend much more time on this boring ass series, but like. That's why I think Boston has a chance at stealing it in seven, just because I think Swimman's been playing better than Omark, and it's the right decision to go to him when they did for game three back at home. They're on the road in game seven, but, you know, Boston's got experience, man. They have Brad Marchand, they have Patrice Bergeron, they have Taylor Hall, who, yes, hasn't been really been a playoff player, known to be a playoff player, but they got him. They got Hampus Lindholm back in the lineup, which is extremely important. Uh, what a surprise that was. Yeah, to get him back, that was huge for Boston last night. And McAvoy coming back from COVID in like somehow 48 hours. And then more or less murdering Sebastian Ajo. Glad to see Sebastian <laughs> Ajo's okay after that hit last night. But yeah, almost took his head off. It was like a 
John Elway helicopter spin into the end zone if I've ever seen one. But, you know, good for Boston to get their guys back. They have experience. That's why I just think that I think the trend gets bucked in game seven and in a way team steals it. Where do you fall on the Patrice Bergeron rumors going forward here? I do think he's going to be back in Boston. I think we're going to see a situation, though, where it becomes a year-by-year kind of deal. Much like how to get the... uh... It's Zidane O'Chara syndrome, right? Like how he dealt with the Bruins in the last couple of years of his tenure in Boston before moving on. It's like year-by-year, Patrice Bergeron will re-up in Boston. Is there an outside shot that the Canadien de Montreal comes calling and says, hey, Ken Hughes is here now. We're going to make a play for Crystal Tang. We want to make a play for you. We want to bring everybody back to uh, to Montreal and the beautiful city that we have here. So is that looming? Of course, and the rumors are going to happen in the offseason. But I see the Patrice Bergeron situation going, like I said, year-by-year contracts. He sticks in Boston you know, for at least the next two or three seasons on one year. Heavy, heavy incentive-laden and you know, bonus-laden deals. That's one of those where there's certainly smoke, and we'll see if there's fire. There's definitely uh, where smoke, there, yeah. Where, where there certainly is fire is in the Tampa Bay-Toronto series. Toronto loses the game last night. This is going to seven at the Air Canada Center, which now is called Scotiabank, but it's always Air Canada Center to me. If Toronto loses that game in Toronto, game seven, to go out in the first round again, are Keith and Dubas safe is my first question. And two... Where are they mentally today? Let's go with the first question. Dubas is not under contract for next season, from what I understand. And I think others have reported that. Maybe I'm the only one saying it. I have no clue. I really haven't been, you know, up to speed on things this week for obvious reasons. But from what I know, he's not under contract for next season yet. Not saying he won't be. Not saying that the first round exit means Dubas is out per se. Maybe he is. I think that plays into Sheldon Keefe's future behind the bench for the Toronto Maple Leafs. goes without really being said, but I think they figure out what happens at the top in the front office from Kyle Kyle Dubas down to determine whether Sheldon Keefe's the guy behind the bench going forward between whether they need a new direction. I mean, we look at the New York Islanders. We'll talk about that later in the show. New directions seem to be the thing and the theme, um, the, the flavor of the month right now. So we'll see what happens in Toronto on that aspect. And as for where they're at mentally, I mean, you can't, I can't imagine they're in a good place right now. You had this series wrapped up last night and they had the momentum. They were down early, right? It was two nothing. They came out in the second period. They played an absolute perfect period of hockey capped off. They scored two goals in like the final 33 seconds of the second period, took the lead with 7.8 left in the second period, firing on all cylinders. I'm not a big blame the officiating guy. I thought the officiating was piss poor last night. I will say that on record. I saw many plays, many things go uncalled, many things go called that I was surprised that did get called. Um, And I'm not one that really ever gives the benefit of the doubt to Toronto or gives, you know, or complains about the refs too often. It was bad last night. I can't imagine you're in a good place mentally with all that kind of compounding on Toronto going home for a game seven here. Something feels like that five on three that Tampa scored on. If there is a turning point over the last two games here, yesterday and tomorrow, that five-on-three to me feels extra uh, important, if you will. Because if that call doesn't get made, do they score on the five-on-four? Maybe, but but if it's five-on-five hockey there, I I like the way Toronto was playing at that point. They were playing extremely well. Jack Campbell looked really solid in the net down the stretch in the third period. You know... It's one of those things, right? Like Tampa's a good team and they have the experience, but when they have the vindication and they have the confirmation that like when they score on that five on three there and you mentioned as a turning point, I look at it this way. Tampa knows they've been there before. They know they've gotten themselves out of tough situations before in the past in the playoffs and whatnot. But that, that turning point, they calm down again. They say, hey, we can do this. We just scored a goal. We're the champs. We're the best. Take that. You know, we're back in this thing. And I that, to your point, you know, being that key change moment in the series in the last couple of games, I think that, agreed completely, was the swing of confidence from Toronto mm-hmm. to Tampa, was the swing of momentum. Because now Tampa's saying, man, we can do this. I know we're in a tough series against a team that we thought at one point we had in the bag, you know, after game two or whatever. But 
we're the, we're the defending champs, we're the two-time defending champs. We're going to get this done here in crunch time. And they did last night. And like I said, not really a great place to be in if you're Sheldon Keefe and, you know, Austin Matthews and the boys up in Toronto. Not saying they can't get it done because they're an extremely talented hockey club, but you can't feel great where you're at right now. I mean, again, right? Like we just keep doing the same shit over and over again, year after year. You know, a broken clock is right twice a day. A blind squirrel finds a nut. I don't know how many more cliches and euphemisms you want me to say, but like, so they can get it done, but like, you can't feel good going into the same situation again. No, you can't. That's why I think if they, like, if they lose, if it's an overtime game and something happens, what are you going to do? But if they get like, if they get pumped at home 5-1, fans are not going to be happy and they're going to want change. Maybe not with Dubas as much as with Keith. Because, like, at a certain point, what is it? How many years in a row is this now? Like, you're a great regular season coach, sure, but your your team is too talented. And I get, like, the Tampa draw is tough, fine. But, I mean, Montreal wasn't, should not have been. That should have been a win. So, we'll see. I, I tend to lean Toronto. I think Tampa... That was an emotional, emotional victory at home, one that they needed. I don't think they'll be running at 100%. I, I think that was kind of like putting all their cards on the table. They won the hand. Now they're like, fuck, man, we got to go back and do it again. Which is a tough situation to be in, too. Though I will say this quick it's, about the game last night. I don't know if you noticed this, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Like, For all the talk that Tampa lost their third line, for that third line that they had oh. to score in overtime, I mean, that third line played like the Tampa third line that we've known. I mean, Nick Paul, Brandon Hagel, I forgot who the third guy is. Is Andre Pallad on that line as well? I don't know who's on that line with them, but those two. Uh, it's Paul Hagel and, and uh, Colton. Ross, Ross Colton. Colton is a great player too. Like, for all the talk that Tampa lost their edge and their grit in the third line, they came through last night in the clutch, big time in overtime. That's, you know, that's such a... Uh... A thing that good teams get away with, a team that has built culture, has built a winning track record. Like the Buffalo Sabres, no offense, could not go out and sign that third line right now. No, there's, nobody would come to play for them. But that's the benefit of being such a winning team is that you can build a third line at a cheaper price because you're the, because they know they have the opportunity to win. Absolutely. And so, there's, there's of course, there's parity in the league. There's always going to be parity. But that's sort of a built-in winning advantage, and that's no that's no secret. Obviously, that's teams across all sports have that ability, especially with the veterans. That's why Corey Perry's playing on the fourth line, right? So we'll see. I I tend to think Toronto is the better team in this series, but then Tampa Bay has arguably the best goalie in the world. So does he steal Game Seven? I. Merriman bets, I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm going to be throwing money line Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, I might fade you. On Saturday. I might On fade Saturday. You. We'll see. I think Toronto's, in a, they're going to be a uh, a dog in that game. Let me see. Let me see. NRD, hold the, uh, hold the fort here. I will. No, I, to your point, though, Tampa, Toronto is the best team on paper. I think they're the, I think they're up there with Colorado as the best team on paper in the, these entire playoffs. They just can't seem to get it done. And, and you mentioned, as you look this up and I try to fill dead air here, you talked about like how many years this has been in a row with Sheldon Keefe, right? I, I liken it to like the Cleveland Browns or the New York Jets for, for fans of other sports out there as well. doesn't matter who the coach is. doesn't matter who's in charge of the organization. The same problems kind of remain, right? Like, I don't know if it's a janitor or a concessions guy that's bringing things down, but like you almost need to like change the stink of everything. And it's like for 18 years now, the Leafs haven't won a playoff series. And I think it's, doesn't matter who the coach is. To your point about Keith, it's like he's been a great regular season coach. I think you almost look at it as a positive, right? And he's bringing the most out of that team in the regular season. But something in the organization, beyond the coaching staff, beyond the players on the team, beyond the GM, can't get it done in the first round. Vegas NRD likes Toronto. Minus 125 in that game. Well, you know, everybody knows here I have a love-hate relationship with Vegas. I've been stealing their money for quite some time now if you listen to this podcast and take my picks. <laughs> so I might have to go with Tampa. Plus 105, Tampa is. You said it's time, NRD, for uh, Toronto to win a series, right? It is time. I yeah. mean, it's time. It's Like I said, it's one of those things that it's the stink of the organization for the last 18 years. It's about time. Well, you know what else is about time? It's my movement watch. They are the best 
at Telling Time. NRD in a tiny apartment in Southern California. Two college dropouts teamed up to create a watch company that broke all the rules. Fair prices, unexpected colors, and clean original designs. Movement grew into one of the fastest growing watch brands, shipping to over 160 countries across the globe. They're also rocking blue light glasses that protect your eyes from your screens. NRD might need to be fitted for a pair of those. You're, you got all the games on across the world. It's not just... Not no, just I watch a little SHL over in Sweden. I watch the Finnish Elite oh, League. Yeah. Not watching the KHL He's right all now. over. Not watching the KHL right uh, now. In solidarity. In solidarity. I've, I'm rocking with, right now, if you can see on the screen, which you can't, uh, gold band, black face, thick, like thick watch face that I absolutely love. And I've been rocking with movement for a long time. I'm normally like a rose gold guy, white face, brown leather band. This is my first metal band. Um, and I, and I love it. I absolutely love it. It looks like a $400, $500 watch. It's a beautiful I can hear watch. you clinking around there. What are you working on? Well, I got my watch here right here. I was trying to put it on for oh, you, right? Is. Right? Like, I know you guys can't see it all. I got the blue one. I got, ooh, where's the camera there? Brett can see it. Yeah, get my arms in here. The Very blue nice. one. It was a horrible job of me trying to show Brett my watch here, but I do have it on, rocking with the movement. I got the blue one. Probably not as big as your face. You're a little bit more of a high roller than I am, Brett. I got to go with a little smaller, a little bit more subtle. But I got last the time watch. I went to Vegas, I took them for seven bucks. I went in, I went in with a grand. I walked out with one thousand seven dollars of gambling cash. So that's a win in my book. Winner. That's all I see is winner. Yours is nice though. I might have to, uh, might have to pick myself up a second movement watch. Well, I'll tell you what. If you're in Vegas, if you're going to the games and the playoffs, if you're going to the office, if you're going to a wedding, movement covers all of the bases. It's it's that versatile. There's that many different watch faces, that many different styles. And I can't recommend them enough because they have the look and quality of a $400 to $5 watch. And you're paying a fraction of the price because they're built online and they own their process from start to finish. Get a, beautifully wa a beautiful watch shipped right to your door for free. And if you don't love it, ship it back for free. How about that? If you want to elevate your look with style that does not break the bank, then join the movement and get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to MVMT.com. Slash stove. Again, that's MVMT.com slash stove. The final game seven NRD on Saturday is Edmonton at LA. What say you on McDavid um, quote running into Arthur Kaliev last night? Hmm. Look cheap. Oh, I see. okay, okay. Look cheap. On whose part? On Kaliev's part. Oh. Okay. I don't love that. I think Kaliev saw it coming. By the way, really quick, it's probably one of your best segues of all time into an ad read. So that was up there. Yeah, it was, that was, up there. was really good, Brett. Brett's Brett's Thank locked you. and loaded. He's picking up the slack well, for I, me today. I picked up I picked up a goal last night for uh, we're the we're the team we're we're the wheel, which is a bar in Austin. Where all of, all the teams are named after bars in, in our league. Picked up a goal last night. The line we had was buzzing. Me, Epsi, and Fitzy. Fitzy put up a five point night. Shouts to Fitzy, listener of this podcast. There you go. Shouts to Fitzy. But uh, no, that was a good one. It's, last you night. know, NRD. It's funny once once they uh, our league started tracking stats this year. So once once the stat tracking starts, it's, everybody's got to get their goal. Everybody had a chance till they blew out their knee in juniors now, and they're trying to prove something, right? Ah, uh, yeah. there you go, there you go. I blew out my knees on the boards the other week, and it still hurts. Yeah, see, two weeks in, three weeks in, shoot. Got to keep us both healthy. No, but anyway. to your point, yeah, I do think Kaliev saw that coming. He did lay a hit at McDavid. McDavid did not look good getting up from that hit. He did finish the rest of the game. But, hey, when you're a star player, you're going to get targeted by guys like Arthur Kaliev. He also moves so fast that, like, the momentum he creates with these hits is almost, like, self-inflicted. Even if Kaliev was standing there, Connor McDavid is moving so quickly that it, it, it's like the equivalent of two guys skating at, at normal speed. It's crazy. Physics 101. Not to say that I'm a physicist, but like, it's like. What's the, uh, the, the moment or momentum formula is M equals uh, force times acceleration, right? Hey, something like that. I, I was just going to say, it's like when a pitcher throws a fast pitch, the faster the pitch is coming in and it hits the bat, the further the ball's going to go. It doesn't matter. The it's pitch. mass times velocity, by the way. My bad. Hey, you were close enough. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Because I don't know any better. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's like you said, it's self-inflicted. He guy skates so hard. Scored the first goal of the night. I mean. Oh, beautiful goal. Took it from one end, dished it off to a Vander Kane, who looks like a great hockey player. I mean, for all the, we talked about this last week. 
I don't know if I could really sit here and say, oh, I love Evander Kane. What a great guy. I want him to uh, date my daughter. I definitely don't want that. But can't deny the fact that he's a hell of a hockey player and he's playing out of his mind with Connor McDavid at Edmonton. And if they do make a run here and win this game seven, you can point to that pickup as a big win for, for Ken Holland and, and the Edmonton crew. Right now, he looks like the best deadline acquisition. I mean, now that Minnesota, who we'll talk about, is out, they had the a deadline built team. But uh, yeah, who's better than Evander Kane right now? Although, although, my my pick still stands. NRD, whoever signed Arturi Lekin at the deadline or traded for him, excuse me, Stanley Cup champs. Right now, that is the Stanley Cup favorite, Colorado Avalanche. Um, I'm looking forward to this game though because I still have that uh, that Edmonton sprinkle that I put in. Yeah. So I had the Minnesota bet that did lose. I'm very disappointed in that. It sucks, but I'm rooting for you for Edmonton now because I think they can win it Thank in you. seven. They have to beat LA. They have to beat. It's not you know it, it's it's honestly, and this is like gambler brain happening right now, galaxy brain stuff. They have to beat Edmonton or excuse me LA. Because they need it's their time. It's not LA's time yet. They're they're gonna be a great team moving forward. Although they like sneaky have a lot of veterans that I'm just you know, Dustin Brown, I'm sure doesn't want to lose that game at home. Mm-hmm. Um but but like it's Edmonton, man. They they need a series win. I don't care if they go get stomped by Calgary or Colorado or or St. Louis, whatever it's gonna be. They're gonna be playing the winner of Calgary Dallas. Okay. St. Louis, Colorado so, is a matchup now, that's a thing. The NHL needs Calgary, Edmonton. How awesome of a playoff series would that be? Would be awesome to watch. I'd enjoy it. You know, to your point about Edmonton needs this. Mike Smith has made a believer in me out of the last couple of games. Wow. Can I say he also that made a record? believer of Andreas Athanasiu? Yeah. Well, me. I mean, he is Mike Smith. Poke. He is Mike Smith at the end of the day, but uh, he's got a little bit of leeway that other goalies might not. He. Um. I don't. I. Like ninety nine point nine percent sure, there's no relation, but he's he's like Billy Smith. We should call him Mike, you know, nickname Billy in parentheses Smith. Um, okay, but he's made a belief for how to me in these last couple of games. I, I really wow. enjoy the way he's been playing. Hasn't been going out there and playing Vasilevsky games, or I can't even say Shesterkin games at this point because Igor hasn't looked great. But like he's been winning games for Edmonton, or at least holding it down so the offense can supplement him, and that's what Edmonton needs to succeed. Have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. So I, I'm looking forward to that game seven. Darnell Nurse is back after straight up headbutting a guy. Um, that looked ugly. I'm surprised it wasn't two. Should have been um, That's probably a two game regular season, which they say equates to one game in the playoffs. I don't know how that formula works. Frankly, I don't know how the NHL player safety department works, period, because George Peros runs it. And <laughs> that doesn't seem like the guy. Yeah, it's to just run a- it. No offense to George Peros. But like, there, that needs to be looked at moving forward because too many of these plays it, every night NRD it, it just it sucks that every night the discussion ends up being, what is this guy gonna get? Is this dirty? Is this cheap? Like, the the committee should be like Steve Eiserman, Chris Chelios, Mark Messier, who are dinosaurs. No offense, but like they're just an older generation of hockey. And then there should be like a player committee in a way. Yeah, the you know, NHL should, PA should have some part of it. I think you know, I, or like you take you take like a recently retired guy, like well, hey, we'll double we'll double your pension, Brian Gianta. He'd be a great guy for something like this to say. Where does this fall in today's game? Yeah, I mean, it's just funny because I had this conversation with a friend last night. You talked about you know having guys like Eiserman and Mess on the on on a panel for player safety. I mean, you watch any series from the '90s; they used to commit voluntary manslaughter, and it was fair. Fair game. Yeah. You used to see guys just hands to the face, sticks across the chest, you know, anything you want. Guys would get mugged behind the net and mugged after whistles and nothing would come out of it. It's just a different world. So it's interesting that you mentioned them. But yeah, it's good to have it from all perspectives. And I think that I can understand why the Players Association doesn't have more input in, in the, the rulings and stuff like that from, you know, a DPOS or DOPS. Department of Player Safety standpoint of things. I can understand why the players don't have much of a say because they're always going to back their guys. It's a union. I get that. But some sort of understood 
not collective bargaining agreement, but charter that's written out that both parties understand. Here's how things are going to get called moving forward. Yep. Here's the rulings moving forward for things. A little less subjective, a little bit more objective for, for the National Hockey League, I think is what we need. That sound you hear out there, folks, is uh, Gary going under his desk with a stick, just trying to slap NRD saying, shut up, in shut up. in a lot of up. trouble for saying that. But it's true. I mean, I don't understand the two two regular season games for one playoff game thing either. It's stupid to me. I mean, you do it's a weird you like, headbutt it's a, a guy. Formula, it's worth man. two games. It's worth two games. You know what I mean? Like, don't headbutt mm-hmm. people. Don't pull a Zidane, Zidane, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the middle of the fucking NHL playoffs. It's quite simple. What an unbelievable pronunciation of Zinedine Zidane. Zinedine. Did I just right reverse there. it? You did Zinedine Zinedine. No, I think I did Zinedine Zidane. I will we'll have to check the tape on that one. Put it on the, the list with the fun of, dip bar. The, the last point I want to make on this is based on the Twitter game alone, if the NHL doesn't have Chris Pronger under the league uh, organizational structure in the next six months, they're crazy. Whether you want to go player safety, whether you want to go player finances, player representation, obviously Donald Fear is, is moving on. There will be a replacement for him. But if you want to create whoever the deputy – guy is 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 chris pronger not like a perfect guy for that he's awesome man what a great twitter follow because it, it doesn't feel like he, he it doesn't feel like he's necessarily wants to coach or gm he feels almost bigger than that and he know? is and, and that's the thing right like you mentioned for department of player safety i don't know if that's the best role for him but like no offense to george paros but like chris pronger is a star man he was an all-star defenseman yeah. he was a great player he was one of those guys that played extremely hard maybe a little dirty at times but that was the era when he played back then and well, seen not it only from was all he angles. a little dirty, he was also he could also skate by everybody on the ice. He if was he one of the most to. talented defensemen of all time. So like he has it from right. all different angles, as opposed to just being a goon. And like I said, I don't want to def- I don't want to offend anybody by saying that. But he wasn't just a goon, and I think that's important to have guys like him involved in the game because they've seen it and heard it and been a part of it from all different levels. Mm-hmm. Let's get to uh, a couple goodbyes, shall we? Now that we. Uh, since the last time we met, two teams have, quote, moved on, if you will. Let's start with the Nashville Predators, NRD. I'll bring back our uh, everybody's favorite segment, Say Something Nice, Say Something Mean, about the Nashville Predators, who are no longer a part of the NHL this season. All right, so I'll say, well, I mean, I'll they're, say they're, something. They're part of it. You know what I mean. So I got to say something nice and mean about the Predators? Correct, yeah. I'll say something nice. They were in the playoffs. <laughs> They were. They did make it, and and you know what? You know what mine is. If you have UC Soros, that's a different series. Yeah, absolutely. I think they changed things. Uh, you know, having his caliber probably would have pushed this maybe to six or seven games. I don't think they win the series, but it certainly makes it. It makes a difference. It's not a sweep. And then I mean, say something mean. They were in the playoffs, <laughs> so I could say the same thing both ways, two different ways. It's all about the pronunciation, but. Yeah, I mean, they were, like you said, it came down to UC Soros not being involved in the series. He was the best player on Nashville all season long. You talk about Tanner Janot. Matt Duchesne played pretty well down the stretch. But when you lose a goalie like that and you have to start David Riddick and, and Connor Ingram, it's just against a team like Colorado. They're going to burn you every time, and they did. So I feel bad, but at the same time, you know, it sucks. They weren't good enough to compete. What does Philip Forsberg make this summer? He's making six currently. He's 27, and he's a UFA. And where will he go? I can't, I, we will have, I mean, we're going to have plenty of time to have episodes in the offseason to discuss where he's going to go, and I'll find out more on that as we start. That's why I like putting you on the As spot. we start to get back into the swing of things, I'll tell you where he might go. I'll tell you what he's going to get. He's going to be north of 8.75. I was going to say nine. He's going to be north. I was going to say All right, nine. so we're in the same, north of 8.75 yep. is nine. But uh, correct. Yeah, see, I'm a math guy. I was just I was recalling okay. the whole Elliot uh, Elliot Rasmus the line thing. Oh gosh, <laughs> what a what a saga! Shouts to Rasmus for the line. Uh, Minnesota Wild NRD lost last night against St. Louis. It, 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 kind of a not a stunning, but kind of a, a depressing final game for them. It it got three nothing quick, and they just seemed like they. It was that was over. That was it. Nick Luddy scores, and well, that was kind of the pack it in. And now they have, uh, you know, 
a few problems to address. I'll put it that way. Let's start with say something nice, say something mean about the Minnesota Wild. Bill Guerin is trying the best he can to transform that organization. From what Chuck Fletcher did, from the massive contracts to Zach Parise and Ryan Suter and that whole saga, he's trying the best he can to work with what is, for better or worse, a really terrible salary cap situation You know, moving forward. And he's got to keep that in mind when he's adding this year. I think he's got a big offseason ahead of him. He's got Kevin Fiala, who's going to be dealt somewhere. I don't think Kevin Fiala is going to be a member of the Minnesota Wild much longer than the NHL draft this year. But So he's got that to navigate. But I think Minnesota's in good hands with a GM like Bill Guerin. So there's your something nice about Minnesota. They'll be back because I think they have the right guy at the helm. Say something mean about the Minnesota Wild. They didn't have to give up the first for Marc-Andre Fleury, but they did trade some assets for Marc-Andre Fleury. Cam Talbot is not the guy. You go to Wasn't it weird to not like why didn't you have Flurry start that game? I mean I sent the text to Alan Walsh. I didn't get a text back. Maybe he uh, struck a nerve, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But uh to to know what he was thinking last night, to see what Photoshop he because you can't stick it can't put a night sword through the back of Flurry. You might need to like like a huntsman's like a huntsman's saber or something like that, Minnesota Wild, something hunting wise. But Flurry did get screwed out of the start last night. I don't really know why you go to uh Cam Talbot in that game after sitting on ice for the last, you know, week and a half. But they did. He let, I mean, the, the game changed when he let up that goal to Nick Letty because it was a soft goal to let up. There's no, Nick, Nick Letty's not a sharp shooter. He's got no business scoring that goal. You got to stop right. that one. And then the momentum trickles down from there. Not saying St. Louis wouldn't have won the game, but that just, it, it killed Minnesota. It stopped them right in their tracks on the road. You can't have that. Yeah, it was that was a deflating moment. And in Minnesota, man, I love the way, like, I, I love their team. I loved their team. I would have said they beat St. Louis. I would have said they go up against uh, Denver or, excuse me, Colorado and give them a hell of a series. They were built. I like the Laurier. Now, now it's like, what do you what do? you do? I mean, that team was built for this year. They, absolutely. They were now, built to win now. Fiala, how do you handle Fiala? Is Matt Dumba the the most perpetual trade trip of all time. Is Dumba still on the team next year? You have to clear somebody out. You have to clear out Fiala. We'll I mean, I don't know how you get rid of Matt Dumba as he's continued to come into his own as a defenseman in this league. He continues he's to, a fantastic hockey He's player. a great yeah. hockey player, and he continues to get better and better and better and escaped all these trade, trade rumors for this long. So I don't know how you give up on him, but they have a lot to navigate. I don't know if you just saw. We got some more news coming through just now. Why don't you go ahead and break it, NRD? Or I can, can. as, as the the, uh, the merit the merit of this situation. Bruce Boudreau back officially as the Vancouver Canucks head coach next season. No, uh, no word as of yet on the contract extension, but next uh, next season is Bruce Boudreau behind the net, or excuse me, behind the bench. Your thoughts initially, NRD? Shouldn't be a surprise, but somehow it was because Jim Rutherford was like weird about the whole situation. Very like, weird. Eh, we'll yeah. have to talk to him. We'll see. He didn't really, you know, nothing really changed. Like he was weird. So glad to see him back. He deserves this. I think the Vancouver locker room deserves this. They really took a shine to Bruce and his messaging down the stretch. Um, they were very close to getting to the playoffs. We've talked so many times on the show about how their start under Travis Green at the beginning of the year was what screwed them at the end of the year because they played great hockey from January on. Um, and it takes one big name off the market that I thought would have been in play for a lot of these jobs, namely Detroit. There we go. Speaking of coaches uh, undergoing some transition, Bruce Boudreaux is staying. A guy that we might not have thought was leaving his position. As head coach of the New York Islanders is Barry Trotz. Your uh, your initial reaction, NRD, your subsequent thoughts. Did you see this coming, and where do they go from here? So there's so many layers to this, and, and we have the time, so we'll talk about it. I'll keep it short. I know this is going to be an easy lesson for those out there. I can't say I saw it coming, but I was forewarned. I was tipped off to this. Not recently. But I was tipped off to this earlier on in the year. And, you know, as a good buddy of mine, Brett, and the host of the show, you can verify. Because I went back and looked to make sure. I sent you a text towards the end of February that said Trot's Watch. We'll hit it on the next episode. Hashtag 
trot squad. I texted, I texted you that, and I said we'll talk about it on the next episode, and you were excited. And then we didn't talk about it on the next episode. Couldn't really find out more, but when I sent you that text, I had heard from a source, a very good source, a fantastic source, that things were not looking great for Barry Trotz after this season. They weren't going to make the move in season. They knew they started with, you know, COVID and on the road and all that crap. But that Trotz was not as safe as everybody's making it out to be. And I wouldn't say I poo-pooed it because I respect the source a ton. And he's been right on so many Islanders things, you know, previously and going forward. But I didn't necessarily do the due diligence that I think I should have on this. And that's on me. And I'm not saying I would have broken the scoop or anything like that. Because talking to the Islanders is like talking to a dead wall with the way that Lou runs things. But... I did not necessarily believe it. I just didn't, I couldn't see it happening as much as, hey, maybe Lou steps down or Lou retires. So I send you that text. We don't discuss it. Here we are now. Lou Lamorello fires Barry Trotz as the coach of the New York Islanders. Can't say I really saw it coming, but I was tipped off earlier on in the year. It is a surprise to me. We've had so many rants on this podcast. I have about the New York Islanders and the way they run things. I've said so many times now they need less Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz guys in the lineup. They need to get with the new program, get with the new age of hockey. They're not built to win um, continuously in this league. It seems like Lou wants to do that, but then again, it's Lou Lamorello. So is he going to go out there? Is he going to give $9 million to Philip Forsberg? I know he's a guy that Lou loves, and he's been after for quite some time. Like, does he do that? We shall see. Now, uh, is there any team in the league that does not want Barry Trotz behind their back? Yeah, Tampa Bay. <laughs> 20 one team you know colorado i think they stick with bednar too how about new jersey i was asked on twitter gut check nrd where do you think the trot where do you think trots ends up i said winnipeg or new jersey and many people didn't agree with that answer and like i said we're gonna have time now i've talked to some people since that tweet because that tweet so everybody on twitter loves it trots gets fired five minutes later where's he going right like I mean, I don't even think he knows. Uh, that's, that's, that is my job as a host to ask you that. Exactly. Question. People are trying to take your job and it's wrong. That's why I do this podcast with you and not them. <laughs> but I did answer and I, you know, got Winnipeg, New Jersey. He's from the Winnipeg area. He lives just, you know, he's from three hours out from Winnipeg. And there's some pride in that. And that job is open. And they have a team and a bunch of guys there like Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Defensive-minded forwards, perhaps, that could fit into a trot system, so I like the fit there. And then New Jersey, like you mentioned, I think this changes things for New Jersey. We talked last week about how there's going to be a conversation between Lindy Ruff and Tom Fitzgerald. I wonder if having a guy of his caliber out there and available changes things. With Winnipeg, we've talked about how it's sort of it could be the blow-up summer unless you say, well, if Trotz is available... Can we actually do this thing correctly? Like if Shifley gets a trot and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm here. Let's do this. Or do they blow it up and hire, uh, you know, a Nate Lehman type or a Ricard Gromborg guys that have been rumored to the NHL for years. Nate Lehman, obviously not because he's back at Providence, but you know, yeah, what I'm I saying. know exactly what you're saying. I mean, we could talk about this throughout the offseason, but I had teased this several times in the pod. I spoke to a great source out in Winnipeg, the only source out in Winnipeg, because there's only like five people in the city of Winnipeg, um, that Shifley, not 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 requesting a trade, but not not opposed to a trade, if that makes sense. Like, hey, if things continue on this path and this is the trajectory that the organization continues to go in, I wouldn't be opposed. I don't necessarily need to get out today, but, you know, Explore what's out there in the offseason. Does uh d- does Shifley, Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Ehlers, do, does that contingent have any say, you think, when it comes to who the coach is going to be? Are they like Patty Kane, Jonathan Taves level, where they, they kind of want the direction of the team to be decided from the players? Mark Shifley, maybe. not got, uh, Blake Wheeler, too, but... I don't know. It's hard. You're not a good team, right? And, like, I'm not blaming the players in the locker room. We're necessarily blaming a coach. But I think that can breed some bad habits and whatnot. Like, I think Shell Dayoff needs to take, you know, take the reins here, exert authority over the organization, and really stick with the course and, like, pick a course and stick to it for the trajectory of that team going forward. 
I think you can consult with those guys, sure, but I don't think it's going to be as hands-on as Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, or at least it shouldn't be. Because I think Winnipeg needs to pick a plan and stick to it now. And their plan is dependent. I mean, they have, they have listen to who they have to re-sign or, or decide on, I'll put it that way. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Paul Stastny, Zach Sanford, Mason Appleton, Evgeny Sveshnikov, uh, Jansen Harkins, and Adam Brooks. The final two is not, you know, they're not players, but <laughs> they're not. Players. That is, they they are, but you don't you don't know say exactly. that they're not going to be part of the core Winnipeg Jets. Movement. I know what you meant, and it was funny. Their defense core is solid. They have Hellebuck under contract for two more years. So, if they wanted to trotsify this roster, they could. They certainly could. And just turn it around and say, let's ride next year. Because how far off are they from being the uh, Elliott Stanley Cup pick from the beginning of this season? Like, could this just be a blip on the radar? It, it very well could. And you talk about trotsifying the roster. Some of the names you mentioned and some of the names that are there right now are Barry Trotz players. I mean, you look at Barry Trotz, who plays a much more defensive system of hockey than any other coach out there. Mark Scheifele is one of the best two-way centers in the National Hockey League. If not the best, if not two-way. the best two-way center, like Philip Deneau, right, and and Bergeron and Marchand, they're incredible defensive forwards. But the you're they're, like Shifley brings you offense that I don't think those other three do. do. And then you look at a guy like Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler, guys that can net 30, 35 goals a year, but guys that'll muck it up to score those thirty-five goals, right? Kyle right. Connor's right. got some speed; he's a little bit more new age than the others, but like. He can still get dirty, score goals from in front of the net, and score goals from the corner and make plays. So that I mean, do they? I don't even think they have to trotsify their roster that much. They have the goalie in place in Hellebuck, like you mentioned. He is a seamless fit in what they have built right now. He is. You know where I'm a seamless fit, NRD. My Mudsy jeans. Two for two today, Brett. Mudsies are the most comfortable men's jeans on the planet. I promise you guys. With a uh, proprietary stretch denim, these jeans look stylish but feel like you're wearing sweatpants. There's no other way to put it. You put them on. They're not restrictive. They give you room exactly where you need it, if you know what I mean. They're skinny enough to give it style. They're tight enough, like tailored, I'll put it that way, enough around the ankle to give you that sort of not skinny jean look but fitted look. Like you, you know what you're doing. They're not dad jeans. They're not mom jeans. They're just... Damn good-looking jeans. And I also have the jean jacket. And that thing, I'll tell you what, NRD, oh my goodness. When I throw that thing on, I have the Husker. It's sort of like an olive military color to it. Unbelievable. I'm just going to say, because you don't strike me as the full Canadian tuxedo guy. I can't see you going like full blue denim and blue denim. No, but I would love to see Barry Trotz get off the jet as the Winnipeg head coach. In a full Canadian tuxedo, walk into the press conference. How about that? Maybe wear some Muggsy jeans. They're great jeans. Muggsy removed the excess fabric that normally hangs off you for a fit that just looks good. They're cotton-based for breathability and that classic or natural denim look and feel. More room for the boys. Uh, like More room for the ass. More room for the legs. They kind of give you a little bit of an athletic fit, so they're perfect for hockey guys like myself. We've all long had... Big thighs, big butt, that's kind of a shelf, and skinnier shins, right? Skinnier calves. That's just kind of the hockey build. And Mudsy is perfect for a build like that. Over everything, Mudsy re represents comfortability and style. Wearing their jeans, you will never sacrifice feeling good for looking good. Like I said, jeans, jean jackets, they also have swim trunks, they also have golf pants. They are here for you no matter the material, no matter the activity, Mudsy is going to make it work for you. The super stretch fabric also makes for a quicker drying surface. So you happen to spill a beer, you happen to spill a uh, hard seltzer while you're on a boat or something, you're wearing a pair of Mudsies, no worries. They got you. So here's the deal. Get 10% off your order by going to Mudsy.com to pick up a pair of the most comfortable jeans ever worn. That's Mudsy.com for 10% off your order using promo code STOVE. Again, most comfortable men's clothes on planet earth at mudsy.com and use promo code stove for 10% off your entire order. 
NRD, tonight's a big night, too. We talked about what's going on this weekend. We talked about the series. We talked about the coaching. But tonight there's hockey. Three games. And I'll leave it up to you again. You want to go Rangers, Pens, Panthers, Caps, or Flames, Stars? We'll go We'll go Panthers, Caps. Panthers, Caps. The Caps are plus 10,000 to win the Stanley Cup right now. Based off nothing else other than they're down in the series to Florida. I get that. They're a relatively healthy team. I don't hate throwing a little just 10 spot on a 10,000 odds like that. But Florida can uh, ruin that dream very quickly. Do they do that tonight? I think Florida ends this. Florida worked out the kinks in the first couple of games. I mean, we said, I, I think I said it, or one of us said it on the show last week. The series didn't start till game three. They split one and one, you know, down in Florida. And Florida's looked the looked like the better team since then. Since game three, Florida's looked like the better team. And the series score reflects that. So I think Florida gets it done. They're a good club. I think the Capitals are just gassed. They don't have much left in the tank. They've been missing Tom Wilson. Samsonov in the net tonight for the Capitals. He hasn't been playing outstanding. But we knew that going into the playoffs that their biggest concern was goaltending. They really tried hard for Mark andre Fleury, but he wouldn't waive his no-trade clause to end up in Washington. So I think I think Washington's a team that, much like Minnesota, can be back next year. I think they just gotta they gotta tweak some things. I think they gotta find an A one goaltender, or at least one that can eat some minutes and play clutch down the line in the playoffs. But no, Florida Florida wraps this up tonight. Hubert ought to score two goals yeah, bit tonight. Of, ooh, okay. There you go. You heard it here first because he was snubbed in the heart. Ballot, which we'll get to later. Okay, Rangers, Pens, NRD in Pittsburgh. Pens lead 3-2. Does Shesterkin um, turn into a pumpkin like he has, or is he the glass slipper tonight? Really eerily similar to like the Henrik Lundqvist years for New York Rangers fans, no? Like uh, that's been going around Twitter a little like, bit. Like huh? it's just it's just been listen, I can't compare, but you gotta talk about it, right? The Rangers have been down 3-1 to the Pittsburgh Penguins before. And then they stole a game at the garden based on the good play of Henrik Lundqvist. And then Henrik Lundqvist goes out and has two back-to-back shutouts in Pittsburgh in Game 6 and back at the Garden in Game 7. I'm not saying that's going to happen necessarily here. I, do, I, I don't want to throw an official prediction on tonight's game. I lean Pittsburgh closing this thing out tonight. But Sidney Crosby's not in the lineup. And the Penguins are a different team when Sidney Crosby's on the ice against the New York Rangers. It is the tale of two different halves. You know what they say, NRD? History doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it certainly does rhyme. So we'll see no Sidney Crosby tonight, by the way. Unfortunately, looks like he has a concussion, Yeah. which well-documented um, is not the thing you want to hear as a Pittsburgh Penguins fan uh, or a fan of hockey in general. You know, he's the issues he's dealt with are, you know, it almost feels like more than concussions. It, it is... His physical health when it comes to his head and his brain, unfortunately, just year after year pop it's, up. It's and tough. he's missed a lot, a lot it of time. It sucks, and it's sad to see because he's one of the best players. And you want to talk about forgetting Crosby? Here's a stat for you that I overheard in the broadcast the other night. The Penguins were out shooting the Rangers 58-10 to 10 in the series when Sidney Crosby's on the ice. That would make some, uh, call them advanced stat nerds, very happy to hear that because that – uh, when you look at the Corsi for that, I believe it's just called off the charts because that he's an unbelievable hockey player that yeah, just whenever he's on the ice, things happen. He has the eyes in the, in the back of his head. He doesn't necessarily have a McDavid speed. He doesn't have an Ovechkin shot. But when he's got a guy as smart as Jake Gensel playing with him and you have two guys that smart, hockey IQ-wise, on the ice, look out. Absolutely. Jake Gensel coming out party. Again, we say it every year, but like, it, it, how is that guy not – like not just celebrated throughout the league. I was just going to say, how is he not? Cros- it's Crosby, Malty, and Latane, you know, How whatever. is he not but making 10? Jake, it's the Jake Gensel show. How is he show? not making 10 million by, by now? I mean, he's incredible. He's one of the best players in the league, night in and night out, that nobody talks about. So that's why I still lean Pittsburgh gets it done tonight. I think they can survive without Sid. But like you said, history, that fickle, fickle history thing keeps coming back about the Rangers being down before in this situation against this team. So, where do you go? Where do you lean tonight on that game? Uh, 
If you had to NRD bet it. Ooh. <laughs> Folks at home, don't listen to what I'm about to say, because I don't feel confident Uh-oh. enough to throw the NRD bets on this. But if Uh-oh. I did have to NRD bet this game tonight, I am riding with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Plus 115. Quite the value for that pick, NRD. Um, man, it's, it's weird that they are. Vegas is so obsessed with the Rangers in that situation. I tend to lean with you on Pittsburgh. I think they close the series out, and I think you get a lot of annoyed Ranger fans. I think just not there yet. They're, they're not, not ready, ready yet, but I will be honest with you. I don't think, yeah, the Ranger fans are going to hate to hear this. I don't think next year is going to bode better for you. I Ooh. think things are going to get a lot worse for the New York Rangers. Oh, no, NRD. Don't say that. You're going to have people coming at you. Much like I have people coming at me over the Stars and Flames. Merrick said three yards in a cloud of dust series. I tend to agree. Flames lead 3-2. They're in Dallas tonight looking to close it out. You know who will be there, NRD, is a certain someone behind the Stars bench. She is back. Oh, that's Is that breaking news? That's, uh, that's a little inside a little information. inside information. But she is back behind the bench tonight. I'm sure a camera will not find her. Uh, what do you think uh, What do you think happens tonight? I, well, I hope the camera finds Rick Bonus and the Dallas <laughs> Stars bench. I, hope, I think many people out there do, too. Um, Dallas is a good club. They've been really good at home. And I, le- that's, that's and I think I'm going to throw the NRD bets officially on the Dallas Stars tonight. Dallas Stars. You're getting real good value at plus 145. Yeah, I like Dallas at home tonight. I think they're a great team at home. They suck on the road. That's been the story of their season to this point. I do think Calgary wins the series in seven because I just think they're the better team. But home, Dallas, not the loudest place to play in. Hope I don't offend anybody by saying that. I, You know what? I'm going to disagree. Oh. In the playoffs, Dallas has been All electric. Right. They're, no, they're not Calgary per se, but th- that's been an awesome building the last All couple right, of days. So I take that back, but... Thank you. Thank you for your I, retraction uh, on hashtag Texas hockey. Giving you retraction on that statement. But they're playing at home. They have the hometown crowd behind them. They win game six. Spirited, playing with heart, playing with the home crowd behind them. They lose in seven to Calgary. And I think that's like, not that there's any moral victories, but for, for Dallas to take Calgary to seven, you got to feel okay about that, I guess, right? I don't know if you feel okay about that because you show yeah, you, yeah right you, you never show feel up to win okay, right like and I'm not cut, yeah. like I agree with what you're saying I'm not trying to like you know poo poo your point in a vacuum from the yeah, outside a, yeah you hey, feel great d- good, well yeah, done, down the Dallas. stretch yeah. when they look back in August after they make their off season moves yeah this year was a success we didn't panic we stuck to our guns we resigned Pavelski we trusted the guys we had and we went to battle right that's a win. You're not going to feel great about it right now, but you are going to feel great about certain things in an organization. You're going to feel great about Jake Ottinger. You're going to feel great about what that defense looks like. I know stuff with Heiskanen is, you know, up in there. I will know he's resigned. Klingberg is who I was thinking of. You got stuff with Klingberg kind of going on and what's going to happen in the offseason. But you have to feel good about the defense. They, that's going to be a lot of a lot of turnover on this team. Or, or excuse me, just a lot of re-signing. Yeah, just do. re-signing Ragilov and moves. But that's, and, I think you feel good about certain guys that you have in that locker room. I don't disagree with you. I think, you know, maybe is is there a change behind the bench there? I could see Bones hanging him up. For, oh, for, for good. Yeah. I think regardless of what happens. Okay. I think if he rides off into the sunset with the Stanley Cup, or if he loses tomorrow uh, tonight, I think uh, I could see. I definitely see a scenario where Rick Bonus retires. I tend to think the think the same thing about the person he is uh, coaching against, Daryl Sutter, especially if Calgary goes the distance. NRD, Colorado plus two hundred, Florida plus four fifty, Calgary plus seven hundred, Toronto plus seven fifty right now. If you want to get a little deeper in the shots, Carolina plus 1,100, Tampa plus 1,400, Boston at 16, St. Louis at 16, Edmonton at 18, Pittsburgh and New York at 20, 2,000. 20, any of those uh, Any of those stand out to you? I also, well, shoot, I'll throw uh, LA in there too, plus 5,000. They're up in the series. They were up, not up anymore. But uh, you know what? I am. I rode with you on the Rochester Americans. They're still in. And they're still, they're in, still in. Big game two tomorrow. 
I think I'm going to ride with you on the Edmonton Oilers. There he is. Let's go. Let's ride. Let's and that's ride. a lot I'm putting on the line I, here because I've, I mean, if you go back and you archive, we get this is why we got to get somebody to start tracking the picks here. NRD bets has been on fire on this podcast. I don't know about out in the real world, but for everything that I've given out on the show, <laughs> it's been money. So I'm putting a lot on the line here by saying I'm riding with the pick of the Edmonton Oilers. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, let's go through the nominations quickly of the awards. Uh, who do you like and who was snubbed? The Hart Trophy. Igor Shosturkin, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. What happens Austin there? Matthews is going to win. I think we can argue about what the definition of the trophy is, though. Very much agree. Huberdeau, uh, Roman Yossi, and Johnny Goudreau, sort of the consensus snubs. Would you I agree? would agree with that, yeah. Calder nominations. Moritz Sider, Michael Bunting, and Trevor Zedris, the 26-year-old Bunting, obviously making headlines for that sort of loophole. Do you de- agree or disagree with the qualifications? I don't disagree with the qualifications. He's a rookie by the definitions that's set forth by the league. He's not going to win it. It's going to go to most cider, most cedar. Mm-hmm. I think he deserves the fucking Norris trophy. So I don't disagree with you there. I think cider is going to be what a, what a gosh, what from, from when that pick was made till now, I'm so glad that dude has proved or just shut up so many Absolutely. people. I love that. I love that about him. Uh, I tend to think Michael Bunting should not be allowed. I think there should be a breakthrough category where Michael Bunting would be much more accepted. Like it would be the Tage Thompson, Michael Bunting, um, like UC Yeah, Sorrow just throw Tage Thompson in there. Is he not one of the best breakthrough he, players? He is in the one of the best breakthrough year? players. It's similar to like the NBA does the most improved, and it's a lot of like the younger guys yeah, that like yeah. didn't get rookie of the year noms, but in their second and third season, they're a lot better. Thank you, and we can call it the uh, the cold stove trophy. Yeah, maybe we'll give it out. I don't know if they'll accept I it. I think that would be a we great award because like it. you should cap rookie of the year at twenty three, right? Like rookies are should be kids that you can get excited about. They can get a contract bonus for it. Michael Bunting is it, like yes, he's a rookie at twenty six, but come on. Jack Campbell, yes, he's a rookie at 30, but come on. Like, there should be a separate award so, for that. The Ville Husso, Tage Thompson, um, Michael Bunting. Let me ask you this. Nominations. Since you're the host, you're in charge of this show, you're in charge of this ship. Is that what we're doing? Are those our nominees for the Cold Stove Trophy? Would you say there's anybody else? No, I wouldn't. I think you laid out a great Breakout player of the year. I mean, because we're capping it to, like, not veterans either that have had great seasons, right? Because I think Correct. like you could say Kreider putting up 52 goals is like, holy shit, most improved. I, I mean going from like AHL level like tweener and getting healthy scratched to stud. Yeah. And I would put Bunting, Thompson, Vili Husso. Um, who else? Like Kreider, Kreider went from That's being what I'm a saying. great he was player a good player. to an unbelievable player. Yeah, I don't player. buy that either. No, I agree with those nominees. We'll give out the award. When the NHL does the NHL awards, we'll give out the Cold Stove Trophy. I doubt the player will ever know or accept it, but we'll <laughs> give it out to him. Anyway. Like I would have given, you know what? I would have given that to like Tyler Toffoli last year, or yeah, something like that. Like not great, but now he's great. Uh, the Norris, Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr, and Victor Hedman. Any problems there? Yeah. Um, let's denormalize Victor Hedman getting nominated for the uh, the Norris Trophy every year. He's a great defenseman, don't get me wrong, but Sider deserves to be on this list. Ooh, okay. I think so. I, I don't I, hate I that. do. I mean, Victor Hedman's I, a great defenseman, but he's going to get nominated. He's won some Norris Trophies, but he's nominated every year. I mean, come on. He's, he's solid, right? And I guess I'm kind of talking myself down off the ledge here. Like, while I'm saying this out loud, it's processing through the brain as I speak this, but Maybe that is a sign of a great defenseman. Like, he is nominated every year because he's so solid that we don't even talk about him. And maybe that is the true mm-hmm. definition of the Norris Trophy. But I, Well, that's like, you ever, you know, like the lockdown corner who never gets thrown at. Yeah. Doesn't have the most picks in the in the league, but he doesn't have any, like, touchdowns given. Yeah, you like, know, like, there's like that argument prime, where... Right? Like, the, the guy just shut yeah, down everybody. Yeah, you just... You, you don't really see his stats because... People just didn't throw at him because he covered so well. Like yeah. there's like there's sort of that victory just sauce to this. And you won, and that's what I was thinking too. I just talked myself out of the point I was about to make. So kudos to myself and you for that. But I do think Sider <laughs> deserves some love. Either way, 
Kamakar is my Norris winner. Lastly, with this, he's also mine, by the way. Uh, the Vesna, Jacob Marstrom, Igor Shosturkin, and UC Saros. Couple new names here across the board. Uh, what say you, NRD? I heard Igor Shosturkin. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I mean, are we not going to go with Igor Shosturkin for the Vesna trophy this year? Not necessarily playing fantastic in the playoffs, but it's not based on the playoffs. He's had one of the best goaltending seasons. I've seen since Price won the heart, and before that, Dominic Hasek won the heart. Now, does this play into your, the Rangers are not as good as Igor Shosturkin says they are, theory? Yeah, I think there's there's many reasons why the Rangers are going to drop off next year, in my opinion, and from what I've heard and from what I know. Large part is you're not going to get, you know, MVP-type performance from your goaltender every year. You're not going to get 52 goals out of Chris Kreider every year. And we could talk about this another day, but I'll say it now. I'll leave this as a little tease. Not re-signing Ryan Strom is going to hurt the Rangers more than people think. I agree. God, why, why are the Strom brothers always like, well, they're good and they're going to be traded. It's just like, no, they're just good. They're just good hockey players. Um, moving on, the New Jersey Devils, you could say one the draft lottery by moving up from four to two. The order now goes like like so for the top 10. Montreal, New Jersey, Arizona, Seattle, Philly, Columbus, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, Anaheim. Anything interesting to you in the draft lottery, how it was conducted, how New Jersey moved up but didn't move up all the way, the new rules, et cetera, your thoughts on the draft lottery? The system's stupid and broken. It's not rigged. <laughs> I, I love that. I don't know if you got a chance to see some of the tweets I was getting. After the lottery, we're done with the we're done with the balls. By the way, we're just going right to. So now that's what's foam, interesting. Foam cards. So the the balls was only a one year thing, because every team in that play in and eliminated had an equal percentage chance at the first overall pick. Everybody was at twelve and a half, twelve point seven five percent or whatever. Sure. If they were to run the lottery, so a lot of people were like, "Where were the balls?" NRD hashtag find the balls. Where's the balls? The problem with the balls are. Because this, because the lottery system is a weighted odds system, you'd have about approximately 7.8 trillion balls in that machine. And you'd have to come up with number combinations assigned to each club. It would probably be the most boring seven hours of TV you will ever watch in your life. Not saying that the draft lottery isn't already the most boring 30 minutes of television you'll ever watch in your life unless you're a diehard hockey fan or myself and Brett who talk about it for a living. So... That's why they're not doing the balls live on air. It would take forever. It's not clear cut. Hey, let me pick it out. And it's got the Rangers logo on it or the Devils logo on it or the, you know, the Buffalo Sabres logo on it. It's it's more than that. And the system's stupid. It's not rigged. Like Montreal was the worst team in the league this year. They were the worst team since November. And the season damn near started halfway through October. So do they deserve the first pick? Absolutely. That part of the draft worked as intended. You want to argue that it's dumb that no team can fall more than five spots or four spots and then you can fall out of the top three and some team can come up from 14. You can only fall one. It's all dumb there and that's where it gets convoluted. But in terms of the first overall pick, it worked exactly how it was, inten it, exactly how it was intended to work. Yeah, I agree. I mean, tanking is going to always be part of sports as long as the, the system is the way it is. You know, I think we mentioned on one of the shows that there's like that system, kind of that new age. I forget what it's called, but basically once you're officially eliminated from the playoffs, the better you play, the better your draft position uh, in, you know, the, if you miss the playoffs and win every single one of your last games, you have a better chance of being the number one overall pick. So I kind of like that system. I don't know how practical I don't know how players it is would feel based about on. System. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know because part of the, the tanking vibes are players get opportunities that normally would not if you were trying to, quote, win the rest of your games after you're out. Well, the other part of it so is, maybe, am I busting my ass for my replacement? Also true. Also very true. Good. So point. there's that. You think of the I mean, point. but to the, yeah, to wrap this up, the draft lottery is not rigged. The amount of Flyers fans that tweeted me and said that it was rigged because the Devils got the second overall pick. You know, <laughs> noted large market, Newark, New Jersey. 
<laughs> Gary Bettman really wants those viewers after well, seven first round first overall picks after the last nine years. My only uh my only rigged conspiracy theory is it's sort of a little slap to Arizona, like get your shit together. I could see like a reverse rigging, like anti Arizona, but then again Bettman loves Arizona. I I know he does, but I'm but it's still like a, hey, screw you guys. Get your shit together. Get the rank deal done. Get this, oh, and get then that. we'll give you Connor Bedard. Yeah. Right, like that. Yeah, right. Like I'm dinging you this year because like you guys have put egg on my face as an organization, and it's only one spot, right? But it's still, uh, so it might be a little bit of a like a nudge, nudge. Go fuck yourself this year. Figure your shit out, and we'll see what we can do next year. All right. I don't, I don't hate it. I, uh, you know, That's it's it. all looking like Connor Bedard, new arena. 2025. Austin, Texas. Matvey Mishka. Austin, Texas. Texas. Live music capital of the world. We'll see what happens, NRD. Uh, Rochester Americans are losing 1-0 in their series. Just a quick update for everybody who cares. I know, NRD, you're one of them. They go to Utica this weekend for games two and three. Let's go Amherst. Let's go Amherst. And uh, anything else, NRD, on your plate? No. Happy to be doing this, man. Things were bleak last Sunday. I don't know how many of our listeners out there have COVID, but uh, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's safe. Hope everybody's healthy because it was not fun. So, As do I. Uh, NRD, good episode this week. He is at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. He's not going anywhere. I am on Twitter at Schmerriman. And uh, we are at Cold Stove Pod on Twitter. Tweet us. Uh, Retweet us, favorite us, share with your friends, share share to a hockey person in your life out there who needs some cold stove in their life, and we'll see you guys. Yeah, one more thing I want to add because I know it's your job. Oh, hit me! But okay, leave some more reviews. We love to hear from you guys on the show. Oh yeah, let's Let's get get some. You know, even if you left a review, give us an updated one. Tell us how you think we've been doing since you gave us five stars the last time. We'd love to hear it. Tweet us all that stuff at Cold Stove Pod on uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Mark my words. Next week we're doing reviews off the top. So, if you want a chance for your opinion, and we'll do oh, good and bad. you want to tell me I'm a jackass? Do it. Just give us five stars, but then tell us how Correct. we're a jackass in the, in the comments. And we'll, we'll read them all. I promise you. That'll do it for us. Uh, and uh, enjoy the hockey. NRD. I will. See you next week.